0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg and today I'm delighted to welcome a fellow podcast host, a fellow YPO member and a serial entrepreneur, Marcus Lior from Thailand. Marcus, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Ashutosh. Uh, happy to be here.
0: Thank you. Uh, Marcus is a serial sports entrepreneur. He's the CEO and founder of TSA, TES, Huber, BRE, Glory, and is a podcast host. And as I mentioned, uh, he is a fellow YPO member. So, Marcus, let's start first with uh, talking about your businesses as a serial sports entrepreneur.
1: It's fascinating. <laughs> what does that mean, right? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I've been a, <clears throat> an entrepreneur for the last 25 years, when I started my first business, uh, just about 1997 there. So let's say 24, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, I had no idea that uh, that I was an entrepreneur. Um, I just realized that I was good at something and uh, instead of doing it for someone else, I wanted to do it myself. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how it kind of started. And I said, and I've never left. I've never had a job per se since then, uh, which is kind of the fun part, I guess. And, and I guess call, call, being able to call myself an entrepreneur. And, um, and over the years, my main business company called TSA or Total Sports Asia. It's it's mm-hmm. still around. Um, it's still there, um, but it has many little offshoots and 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 offsprings on the back of it. Um, and I've just did a I actually counted a, a part of you know for the podcast here, but uh, I've launched eight new businesses since COVID started. Wow! <laughs> so so when you say about cereal, yes, um, I like doing. Different things. I like expanding. I like bringing other people into it. Uh, and that's probably what I've done more than ever, mm-hmm. really, over the last year or two here, where it wasn't, you know, where I couldn't travel. You know, I used to travel all the time and, mm-hmm. and it was all about sort of doing things face to face. But uh, now where I can't do this, um, when I really go out and, and I find others, you know, and some of them are my P.O. members, and some are from you know other resources or, or connections, mm-hmm. uh, LinkedIn, etc., where you know I bring people together who with different expertise. I bring my core expertise, and that's not just being entrepreneur, but that's obviously my world of sports, of entertainment of, uh, you know, gaming and esports now and other things, which I know well, and I'll put the puzzle together. And maybe we'll talk about it later, what what are these different companies I've been launching. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's sort of, I guess, what defines a serial entrepreneur. Fascinating, (laughs) absolutely fascinating. So uh, let's first talk about
0: podcast, you know, everyone seems to be doing podcasts. And you are a podcast
1: guru. So tell me what goes into making a successful podcast? Uh, Yeah, great. I think the first number one would be a very deep passion uh, for what it is you want to talk about. Um, And that's how it started for me. Uh, So I'm not saying that's how it starts for everyone. But in my case, Mm -hmm. um, I am in the world of sports, sports marketing. So on the back of it, I had massive relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved listening to podcasts when I go for a run or a gym. And I realized there wasn't that much happening in our industry where we were covering not the news part, right? There's a lot of podcasts out there would talk about what happened last weekend in this game, that game or whatever, uh, but actually digging deep into the business side of our industry um, mm-hmm. and talking to fellow entrepreneurs or others. And I've had the same conversation when I'm at conferences and having a coffee or whatever, a beer with someone. So I felt there is a way for us to capture that and grab that Um, and have an opportunity to share it with others rather than just I hear it and and I'll make my own little notes to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I managed to get a couple of very well-known and let's call it sort of industry veterans, people who are almost been there since the start of our industry, which Mm -hmm. is only about 40, 50 years old. The sports industry as a business is is, is fairly new. Sports been played forever, of course, right? Um, so I managed to get them on the podcast, and then it just snowballed from there. And now I've got 60 plus of some of the most amazing you know, people in the industry on it and targeting to get at least to 100. And then mm-hmm. we'll see what we do after. Amazing. And, you know, in, you know, such a crowded podcast world. What
0: are your thoughts on how does one market a podcast?
1: Yeah, and again, I think it's it's just knowing your audience, right, as usual. Um, my audience is what I call the LinkedIn audience. So it is C-levels, executives, um, people who... People who on my podcast are also listening to it the other way around. Um, I, I target a bit the sort of younger generation, which is maybe studying sports marketing or wants to be in the sports space. Mm-hmm. So this is like, and I listen to those uh, podcasts, it's like, you know, you study doing your MBA mm-hmm. online without having to go to school. So uh, that's always been the focus. And that's where we go out. Um, so we market it in that sense. Um, and that could be of course, very different too, depends on uh, the topic. But yeah, that's how we do it. And I have a reasonable large LinkedIn following 30,000 people there. And that, you know, gets gets the word out and then it yep. spreads from there. Mm,
0: very interesting. And do you think, uh, you know, for, for, for our viewers and listeners, do you think one should select one social media platform for marketing or multiple platforms?
1: I think you want to be across multiple. Um, of course, if you do it completely on your own, that means a whole lot more work, uploading it everywhere and doing all this stuff. So, luckily, I have uh, people be, you know who do this for me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I do think you want to be as as many. I'm also almost on every podcast platform. So it's besides whatever using Instagram, Facebook, and whatever is in LinkedIn to promote it. Um, I'm on five, six different platforms. So I'm not just on Spotify or on, on Apple, I'm everywhere. Um, and again, that takes a lot of time uploading it and keeping that, keeping the material up there. But it gives you a chance to really reach out almost everywhere right? uh, through organic growth these, on these platforms. Very interesting. So I'm going to now move to the next
0: segment of our conversation, which is to take your advice on startups. And, right. a, you know, a very large number of our viewers and listeners are either startup entrepreneurs, or some people who want to be started startup entrepreneurs. So, and, and you as you mentioned, you just promoted eight new businesses in the pandemic. I mean, that's quite an incredible pace you're going. So let me start with the first question that I have often been asked that, is it better to go with a founding partner, a co-founder or go
1: solo? Um, Yeah, it's usually a tough question to give it in a simple answer, but I think having a partnership um, is better. Um, You do bring, you know, and and as I said earlier, you know, bringing different skill sets together. So let's take one example here. We launched a a new digital company called Total Digital Group, uh, which is focused on NFTs. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I bring in my relationships with content owners, IP owners globally, the other gentleman with my partner in it, he is a true crypto specialist, mm-hmm. way beyond I understand the, the space to some degree, mm-hmm. but he, he is you know way out there. And similar to me, of course, I know the, the, the content and the, the IP space. So we just bring the two skills together, and then on the back of it, there is a business which I couldn't do really on my own, mm-hmm. right? And and that's I think what what I've done now with most of my eight businesses. Uh, none of them I started on my own. They've always brought in specialists, uh, people who are having the other skills. Uh, we're launching a new fund in the UK. I brought people in who know how to run funds. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I bring my stuff to it, which is linked to sports, where the content comes from, where what the fund would be investing in. These are the guys who know how to run a fund, bring the money in, et cetera. So so it's constantly that. So that's, I think, how wife. what I've really been able to do here over the last several years and even, even before that, I think it's always looking at who is, who brings the other skills which you're missing. Um, you know and then praying to your own strengths um, of whatever that is And in my case it's of course spending 25 years in the world of sports and mm. and now probably the last five, six, seven years in the world of esports and gaming which, Again, it's that is a more fresher, younger industry. Yes, there are people who've been doing it for twenty years, but again, the real gaming world has kind of exploded maybe over the last ten years only, in some cases, my people would say only last five. So, mm-hmm. so I've been in there for quite a while. You see a little bit behind me is an esports logo. Yeah. that's a team we just launched here in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Again, similar. I have partners who are you know experts in certain things, and I bring my knowledge in of how to build. Brands, how to build IP, how to monetize it really, which is you know the real trick behind it. Absolutely right. So, uh, staying on the subject
0: of startups, uh, based on all your experience and so many startups that you have invested in or supported, what, according to you, are some of the basic mistakes a lot of startup entrepreneurs make?
1: Yeah, again, that is a long list of mistakes, which I've personally made, um, and, uh, and others. But so rather than, you know, going in there too much, let me let me just give you maybe my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is less about startup, I think this is more in a general sense, the mistakes I would point out to, and that is, you have to be somewhat detached from the product and or what you're building, mm. um, if you make this too close to yourself, and and I, I used to call my companies my babies, or it's this is you know the, your the identification was very deep. In uh, the minute you do this, uh, as much as you, you you do you know when you when you when you say it, the passion and and whatever you would do for it goes obviously beyond. Things right the same way you would do anything for your children. Yeah. Um, you also, therefore, are sometimes blinded of when you need to make tough decisions, right? Caught your losses or whatever you know, whatever has happened, mm-hmm. you know, uh, remove people or bring new people in or whatever because it, it is like your family, right? And it's tough, right? You do different things in a business than you would do with a family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is my probably my biggest one of my biggest lessons. Um, both in terms of you know when you start things and not things don't always go right for sure, right? And making tougher, bigger decisions quicker in a startup I think is really important. And I see this I doing a much better job now as I used to do, as I said, where my patience level was extremely high, and because it was sort of I. I the failure was my failure, right? And I and I identify myself really deeply with it. And, and I struggled to somewhat almost admit it to myself that this wasn't working and so on, right? That was one. But also when you then build a business, which let's say is successful and, and you're growing it for how many years, um, if you're too closely associated personally, you cannot l- actually let it go. you you're not be able to sell it, right? And that's again, a lesson I've learned with some businesses where we should have sold it much earlier. Um, and instead of hanging on to it. right? And so that's, these are some interesting lessons uh, I would give give to every entrepreneur. Very
0: interesting. The next question, uh, Marcus, is that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, startup entrepreneurs are under pressure to scale up. And everyone talks pan in pan-national, pan-Asia, pan-this, and I keep wondering, what is the right stage when an entrepreneur should start scaling up?
1: Yeah yeah, my thought on that would be, um, and, and again, this, again, based on personal experiences is you have to figure out your product, service, whatever it is your, your business is about in one, let's say, market or one vertical before you go beyond, I think. Um, all the ones which been successful and, and worked for me, We started something in one country, let's say specifically, it worked well there, and then we took it to the next country. Mm. Um, Or we, you know, very focused on vertical before we went into the next vertical. Um, The parts where I've always uh, crashed and burned to some degree, or things didn't work as much, is uh, when I do it too quickly. But right. mm-hmm. I haven't first cracked the first one really yet. And we're off running to the next country, right? And and that's, you know, here in South Asia is easy, right? Yeah, you do it well in, in Malaysia or in Thailand and you want to go off, Let's, why don't we do the same thing in Indonesia or in mm-hmm. Philippines, right? Thinking always, oh, it's just the same thing, right? Well, it isn't, right? Um, and if you haven't built a base, which works, um, if you haven't have a foundation, I think then uh, it becomes difficult to make the next one work. Mm-hmm. But you know, but there there are as usual, you know there there are exceptions to the rules. Of course, some people have scaled fast and they just keep that massive growth and grab market share. Um, so yes it's as usually depends a bit on the business. but generally, I think it's get it right first. Whatever small market it is, right? whether it's your local neighborhood and you're getting your ice cream shop right before you go to the next neighborhood, mm. doesn't matter, right? Uh, I think the philosophy is the first is the same. It's get it right in the first business or the first part of the business before you take take on bigger chunks. Very interesting. Another question that is often asked uh,
0: of startup entrepreneurs is: Should you bootstrap your startup as long as possible, or should you go with the other advice, which is raise as much money as you can? Because you never know when you may not be able to raise money. Your thoughts? Oh, uh,
1: yeah, great question. Um, I think it's a it's almost. Try to raise, well, raising money means you're giving up at something, right? And so it's a question of if you're realizing that I need cash to sustain it, right? There's a point of time, the bootstrapping will, won't take us anywhere. Um, then of course, let's figure out what it means, what you're giving up, at what value, at what uh, you know shares, et cetera. Um, I think having more money in the bank than needed is always a good idea because in, in, in hindsight, again, Every project I've ever done always takes probably twice as long as you anticipated. Right? You think, oh, we're gonna get profitability or or certain things happening in a year. Trust me, it'll probably take two or three years, and that's probably I think just the, you know, Murphy's law how how businesses work. Um. So having that um that runway and being able to to sustain that is is absolute key. Um. Mm-hmm. So yes, bringing other people's money in. Um, is critical but of course you do take on the back of it you take on uh you take on also then these other opinions right and if it means that initially you can't sustain it on your own where you are making decisions you know within a much smaller circle rather than all of a sudden you have investors who wear a different hat and look at the business in a different light mm-hmm. uh it can be good and bad you know i have i've seen both sides uh which work um where you have great investors who bring a lot of. Um, you know uh, skills and, and and input and then you have people who can really be very disruptive and and potentially kill the business because of misalignment of expectations and, and roles correct
0: so let's come back to your sports business you know and tell me how have you built this into such a powerhouse and what have been some of your challenges and your learnings
1: um, I mean, first of all, as I said earlier, I have just a crazy passion for sports, um, and that has now translated into gaming and in and, and sort of ancillary businesses, which I feel are, are similar in nature in some mm-hmm. sense. Um, you know, and I think when you have that, uh, you—I've never—I always I say I've never worked a day in my life. Really, um, I love what I do, and so it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like I'm, I have a job uh, in a sense. Um, that's one. I think that's 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 a critical piece to the puzzle. Um, and when I realized that I can make some nice money with it too, which is a, always a good motivation well, if, as an entrepreneur, if you like making money and, and providing a service where people realize um, this is what they, you know, we, we're giving something. So I'm, hmm. if I go back really way back when we first started. Mm-hmm. Um, TSA was started in the height of the Asian economic crisis, 1997. Asia was wiped out, if you remember that. Uh, it was a very bad time out here, and we launched right in the middle of it. Um, you know, not necessarily by design. We didn't see it coming, mm-hmm. and we just, by that time, all of a sudden, whoops, we had the company. And and but I was so, and, and it would have been very easy to shut it down and get back to get a job, right? I had I came out of another agency and had you know decent job there. I could have just gone back mm-hmm. say sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, I made a mistake. I want to come back. Um, and it never, it never dawned to me that doing that was the right thing because mm-hmm. I felt that a my own skills and also what I felt we were building as a company was a service which was needed. It was mm-hmm. a service which didn't exist. This is, as I say, 25 years ago, where sports marketing in Asia was very green. Right? Mm-hmm. So some people call me a bit of the, you know, one of the founding fathers of sports marketing in Asia. Mm-hmm. And it's just because I've been doing it I guess so long, yep. but uh, yep. but uh, to some degree at that time it was it was clear I came from Europe. Uh, German by, you know, whatever passport, but I've also studied in the US. So I had seen where sports marketing was on a much higher level in these parts of the world mm-hmm. than what was going on here in Asia. And so I knew we were, what we were doing didn't exist, mm-hmm. right? And that same conviction is that when you know, all these new businesses, which we're currently building, I'm always on the, at the belief that we are servicing a market, we're servicing a need, and we're building something which is hopefully beyond, um, uh, you know, what, what we do on our own, but grows the ecosystem, grows the gross the industry. So over that, say, the 20-plus years we did had Tezir, we generated over half a billion dollars worth of revenue streams for international rights holders from all over the world wow. and, of course, from Asia. That's a lot of money going into the industry, right. right? If you think of, you know, that feeds athletes, you know, that pays for salaries, that, you know, creates events that were broadcast on the back of it. There were people enjoying it. There were people cheering for it. People who, you know, had maybe the most amazing night taking their kid to a game and, and we created that event for them. So let's never mind the emotional side of it, but the business side, right? If you take that half a billion and you use basic GDP math, that's times five, maybe, you know, that's two and a half billion dollars worth of economic growth or economic impact we would have in across Asia. That's a decent amount of money. Right, um, and my goal now, and I said that out loud already, is that I want to go from doing you know half a billion in twenty years to a billion in ten, wow. and um, and so I doubled everything a bit, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or discounted by mm-hmm. half know on the time side of it, but uh, that's what that's what drives me, you know, bringing that bringing new money into into sports, or now of course into esports as well, and seeing um, career passes, we we've created, as at some of the events we work with. Uh, went from almost no revenue streams to millions and millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, um, and that money flows into the sport. Right, that means an athlete has a career now and not just does it, you know, as a hobby. Um, and that's 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 what me excited. Very well said.
0: So, Marcus, I'm not going to move to the last segment of our conversation. Um, a lot of our viewers and listeners love to get to know who my guest is. So I have time for maybe two or three questions for you, which I call my personal questions. But let me start with the first one, which is, uh, you know, you said 25 years as an entrepreneur. What would you say are three key milestones or pivot points in your life or your career?
1: Yeah, the first one for sure is launching TSA in the first place. And I we addressed that already earlier, right? How mm. difficult that was, and how we struggled for six months just to, uh, you know, just be alive, basically, right? Uh, it was an unbelievable time, with, which it would take a whole podcast to get into. Um, so that would be right up there of, any, of the biggest moments for sure. Um, as a father, of course, the birth of my kids um, and and having them see grow up and and all the trials and tribulations you go to as a parent, mm-hmm. uh, it, it would be you know would be probably my second one, and uh, and third one is probably COVID. Um, I think uh, I had. My, a lot of my businesses were very much relying on the sports industry being alive and kicking and doing what it does. Uh, mm. And that, as you know, was completely disrupted. Mm. Um, so instead of sitting here and firefighting and, and just you know, crying over spilled milk, I, I went the complete opposite. So I pivoted really hard in many areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are with eight new businesses, which let's see, you know not, as usual, not all of them will survive, not all mm. of them will, will see you know, you know, become massive big companies at one point in time. But several of them have very, very exciting prospects. And uh and we're looking at listing some of them already. We're talking about also the exciting things. So um I believe I will come out of COVID stronger than I went in it. Um, and that was my belief again from the minute COVID happened. Mm-hmm. I was under I, I knew. And this is saying, and I'm going to get a bit wrong, but, you know, never leave a good crisis sort of, you know, uh, without t- sort of taking advantage of it or whatever the, the wording they use, right? Uh, and that was really my belief. I felt it wasn't the like, oh, my God, hunker down and just, just, you know, winter through it. No, this is winter time. Okay, now is the time to go and find these new opportunities when summer comes or spring comes again, you, you, you can grow there. Amazing. Uh, and That's been my philosophy, the whole, all through COVID.
0: Amazing. So I have time for two more questions for you. Uh, My next question is, you know, for an individual who's doing so much for the sports business, who's giving back so much to the sports people, what are some of the core values you believe?
1: in? Yeah, um, I have three words tattooed on the the back of my shoulder here Uh and they say love which is really, uh, it's all about I think I'm a love buck um, you know, uh, I'm not a fighter in that sense. Um, so love is really a big part of it. And I think people who've worked with me see this, uh, you know, I, I do treat them in a, in a hopefully respectful way, as well as in a, uh, you know, like a family environment is what we're building always as company. So uh, to me, that, that's where it all starts. Um, second word you've kept me saying all, all the, uh, already is passion. Mm-hmm. I'm massively passionate about the things I do um, to the point where when I was a kid, and I was watching, let's say, sports, whether it's Michael Jordan or other things. I had tears in my eyes, and I could never figure out why. Mm-hmm. I, it was just one of those things where, and now I realize it's just somewhat in my DNA that I'm, you know, things I'm passionate about. I I get emotional about right? and so that is to me what what brings, uh, you know, what is in another, I guess, uh, value to it. And mm-hmm. and the other word I use is strengths. Okay, um, being strong, and 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 having that. Um, and strong and strengths means many things, right? On one side is not being tough as mm-hmm. it mean or whatever, but, but just being really disciplined and believing in your own strengths. I think that's probably the key, right? Believing that you know something, you have something which you bring to the table in any conversation or in in, in the business world when you're dealing with partners, right? And and I think that is how I get into any this conversation, believing that I have something which is of value to the other.
0: Fantastic. And my last question to you, uh, is who or what inspires you to keep pushing yourself and doing so many new things?
1: Yeah, well, inspiration, honestly, that's a great story. great news is I've, I get inspiration everywhere. Um okay. First of all, sports and the the uh, the metaphors in sports are already there's so much out there, right? Um, victory, you know, winning, losing, you know, is so close in sports, right? And sometimes it's a millimeter or a split second. Someone loses at the Olympics and becomes either the gold medal winner or the silver, or or even less, right? Um, so sports, the, what you can learn from in the world of sports or, mm. or sports as in terms of metaphors, I think it's just amazing. Right. And, and so the inspiration on the back of all that is, is, is drives me and it's an easy one, of course, because that's the industry I live in right? every day. Um, uh, but I'm sure other people would can, can draw from that as well. Mm. Uh, as I said, and then it's of course, you know, my family, my kids, uh, tons of inspiration from, from seeing them. And if I have a guru, if that's the right word, even is it the wrong word, mm. but uh, it would be Anthony Robbins. Um, he's I've been following him for wow, 25 years now, 20, 25 years. Mm. Um, actually, I read his book, and that started my business. Wow. Uh, it's called Unleash the Power Within, mm. and I always say it unleashed my power, I guess. And so I read this book from top to bottom. And on the back of it started the company. It really inspired me, um, and so I, I do follow his philosophies. I do believe in his his sort of basic, um, I guess, uh, things he teaches, if that's the right word. And he obviously has a movie out, which said, "I'm not your guru," which is exactly mm-hmm. my point, right? He is not a guru. It's not about that at all. But he has he makes very complex things very simple, um, and uh, and and they Fantastic. resonate with me. Fantastic.
0: Marcus, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure and privilege to speak to you. Thank you for taking me on your incredible journey as a startup entrepreneur, as a sports entrepreneur, as a podcast host. And what you told me about your core values, nobody else has told me, which is your love, passion and strength. And you obviously believe in it enough to have it tattooed on
1: your, on your back. <laughs> yes. Sir. Uh, thank you again and good luck. Thank you so much, uh, Ashutosh and I really enjoyed it. So I hope uh, your listeners will enjoy it too. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals.